0: Rangi Kepa is one of the country's leading contemporary Māori artists, and even he admits that as part of his work he strives to push his own boundaries. Many have taken their lead from Rangi, evident in the resin tiki he created some 12 years ago. In a sense, Rangi Kepa has taken what is deemed as cultural art and given it a contemporary twist – evident in the radiare white whare built for the exhibition Star Power for the Denver Museum of Contemporary Art in 2007. A tāmuko practitioner, Rangi, is at the forefront of Māori arts and has works exhibited around the world. As Tiawa, he is also one of 25 artists whose work features in Karanga o Taranaki, Call of Taranaki which opened at Puke Araki Museum on August 16. Not only that, but Rangi is gearing up for his residency at the University of Hawaii which begins in early September. He begins here with his pepeha.
1: No au, uh, i te ko te ati au, te iwi uh, Tapu Kyora, oh, ai, ai, kia ora, kia
0: ora, Rangi. Uh, your art of course features in the exhibition. Can you tell me more about your 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 pieces?
1: I've got a series of uh, of weapon weapons, you know, customary inspired weapons that are made um, out of uh well, whale, I think I have one, yeah, five, five in total. A tukepo tangata um, with a beautiful jade jade piece. Um, tukepo tangata apatiti with a uh, an old um, tomahawk blade head or axe head from uh, you know the colonial times, with a whalebone handle. Um, two wahika and one kotiate, and I've got a very large um, Korean. Uh, piece, uh, a large parata that I uh, made from my New York um, solo show series, made out of Corian. It's a large um, magenta pink. Its its title is Flora, um, and it's got a, my interpretation of a whole number of different types of organic designs that um, that I suppose I've developed over my practice of the last 10 years of moving into more contemporary media and, I suppose, pushing some of my own uh, design lexicon, I suppose.
0: Do you mention the material Corian?
1: It's called Corian. Uh, it's, a, it's C-O-R-I-A-N. It's a uh, most people... Well, people who have built a house, um, mm. you know, recently may have come across it because it's been around for probably 30 years. Uh, it's a composite media, 70% mineral, and then uh, they, they put other stuff with it. And basically, they, they produce... A faux marble type um, media out of it yes. of people use it for, for benchtops and most of that stuff is is coloured like um, chip marble you know different types of marble mm-hmm. uh, I, I started using that about 13 years ago when I was doing my Masters of Mario Visual Arts through Massey. Um I was looking for a new media and, and I came across that stuff and it behaves like either marble or bone or you know something of that nature um, it's got a beautiful deep luster to it and uh it's actually really, really hard to master, but um once you get your head around it, it it you know produces really beautiful pieces of work mm.
0: when you come across material um Rangi, do you pick it up with with your hands and think I can make something from this like do you come across in that um in, in well, I'm, your work? I'm
1: always looking for new stuff right. you know it's quite actually um you know most of the new media that comes uh comes on board today is is actually becoming more technically. Um, difficult. So, like, uh, you know, there there actually isn't that much new stuff to discover. Uh, mm-hmm. What the new boundaries really are now are, are technical boundaries about the, the processes, you know, using CNC, using 3D printing, um, using, uh, you know, CAD programming, all that sort of stuff. Uh, that's where the real technical challenge lies, I think, for a lot of us today. Mm-hmm. Not so much in the actual physical media because, you know, there's only so much stuff gets created for, for either the building industry or whatever. And a lot of it doesn't necessarily have the sort of qualities that you would want for fine artworks.
0: Do you think Corian is your signature or, or favourite material that you work with? Uh,
1: it's one of them. Um, and I'm surprised that, uh, you know, I know that other people have tried to follow me along that line, but but uh, it's actually really hard to master. Uh, I've, I've got really good... Um, skills in, in other media that, that I've been able to transfer across so
0: right.
1: you know my sort of uh, capacity to get you know you really produce really fine works out of media like whale's teeth which is really really dense and you can get a glass like finish on it if, if you've got you know good enough skills I, I managed to pull those um, you know my knowledge base I suppose of that across into, into Korean but you know uh, Korean's expensive too it's expensive to buy you got to buy it in sheets and um, and so I, you know I suppose one of the things is is being you have to be as an artist prolific enough to be able to have enough things going on to be able to put aside uh, or invest a certain level of of money into media that you know m- most most people wouldn't be able to do that.
0: So then, Frank, um, you said you meant you found the material was it uh, thirteen years ago, Corian? Is that when you started yeah, making? Yeah, the... it was
1: about that. About that, um, it was about thirteen years ago, and and and. Um, it was actually a relative that gave me a piece, and it was a stone, uh coloured, type of um, corian. And he said, "Oh, you know, you should have a look at this." And uh, he said, "One of the guys is one of the guys is trying a piece of it." And, and so I, um, it was an off cut from a, a larger sheet from some um, fabrication factory. And uh, and I looked at it. and Actually, I didn't, you know, I just looked and I thought, "Oh, it's just a piece of plastic." And so,
0: what?
1: you know, I didn't do anything uh, with it. It was only. Because it was sitting under a bench top of mine, and it fell out one day and it broke.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. oh, okay. I came like, uh,
1: against the ground. Yeah, it actually didn't fall out. It got got smacked by um, some other activity that I was doing, and and um, I looked I looked at the surface that had been chipped uh, because up on, you know everything had been cut. You know the edges were either um, just nice flat edges, which you know you can cut anything with a saw. Uh, it just looked like just a piece of plastic that had been cut with a saw. It wasn't until I so what I did was I grabbed it and I threw it on the ground, and I took me about three attempts. And then when I saw how it broke, um, you know, the 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 edge of the break, I realised that uh, it, didn't, you know, plaster doesn't do that. And ex- and actually, my resin tiki series came out of out of my Korean works. Right. So uh, the first Korean piece that I did uh, that became part of, Te Papa purchased that, and then uh, Nahidaka Mason. Uh, must have been having a discussion with someone from Te Papa about this latest work that I'd done, or had produced, and and she asked me then to, if I would consider making some uh, for the Tiki show that she curated, must have been somewhere like 2000, 2001. Why don't you do some in colour and I said, Well, oh, you know, I don't really I don't really see how people um, taking to that too too quickly. And mm. she said, Oh well I would and so mm-hmm. I thought, okay. So I produced uh, my first colored one was a bright orange and that that uh, I, I produced about four pieces for that show and they were a real hit and um, a Swiss woman purchased that first one for seven hundred bucks, their first oh. their first Korean one. So, the the is actually really, really hard on your hands, it's hard on your gear. Uh it, you know, it's harder than bone. So, you know, I, I didn't want to you know yep. I didn't want to carry on doing that. And you oh, know, wow. by the rest of this history they they became a real hit, you know, the Korian works became a real hit and they you know, they featured in the two thousand and nine Matariki stamp series and uh I still make those but um you know, i you know, sparingly. Uh, but the resin tiki just they just
0: they kind of went viral yeah actually well that's the, that's a good thing that's a good word <laughs> viral is because now they they seem to be everywhere um Rangie, You're focado on on intellectual property and copyright you oh, so fla- flattered so, that everyone else kind of makes the resin ticky that you kind of set a yeah, trend well you know um well i don't
1: I don't have a a monopoly over um the use of using resin and mm. so from their basis um you know, I don't. I don't have any issue with anyone else using it or making. You know, I think that's it's yeah. part of the process. I mean, part of the reason why I was interested in using Korean because it offered uh, the same quality of depth of color and the same quality of surface. I can get a glass-like surface on Korean that I can the same as what I can get on a whale's tooth, and I love using you know whale's tooth to produce beautiful heirloom quality taonga. Moving then on into into resin reason enabled me to um, sort of push my ideas about about pushing the notions of of what cultural property is, mm. and and you know I think that the cultural expression of Māori today is far more um, varied and, and vast than than what it was pre the arrival of Europeans. So you know we have we have culturally loaded media like Paunamu, yes. um pākohi you know, all those various other sorts of stone, um, whale tooth, whale bone. Um, So what I've been also interested in, and I suppose it's part of my um, social anthropology training, is I'm interested also in how we create, how do we allow or develop a language that we both have an investment in so that, you know, effectively, my position is is that effectively this country or Māori aren't going to get, you know, further... In our aspirations, unless we also recognize that we've got a, that Pākehā people should have a vested interest in our well-being as well, and vice versa. So, you know, I've been interested in the idea about how do we develop um, imagery, how do we develop taonga that Pākeh people can buy into as well, that shows that they're connected to this this place and connected to not only our struggle, our emancipation, and Mm -hmm. our shared future.
0: So then, I mean, Rangi, you're also a Tamuku artist. Would yeah. would that be Tamuku and Kirituhi? That uh, no,
1: as far as I'm concerned, if you're talking to me, it's it's moko. It's mukul. Or, or um, I don't make the distinction between the two, uh, and I know that's uh, controversial for uh, a, a you know a proportion of our um, of our community. But uh, that's that's my language, and I don't change my language just to. You know, um, just because someone has someone with a a different ancestry has turned up,
0: Mm. you know, I mean, Mm. it's
1: kind of a bigger picture than than just looking out from the inside. I'm also interested in looking back in and going, well, where are we actually? Where are we wanting to go? Because we don't live in a bubble anymore. We're not, you know, we don't live in a vacuum, and we have a shared investment in each other. And if that's the case, then I'm interested in the in the individual journeys because at the end of the day. People turn up and it's a one-on-one relationship that we develop in the journey of creating a taonga for them, whether it's a, a an adornment work. I mean, I don't change the name of my Hei Tiki or Rei Puta just because a park person comes and makes purchases it. Yes. So for me, the, the transaction or the engagement or whatever you want to call it is still the same. <laughs>
0: About rangi. Do you, are you still an active tamaku artist or people? Yep. You just, yep.
1: Yes, for sure. Um, yep. If people can get manage to get hold of me, yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, you know, I, I mean, in I, demand.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I started uh, carving 30 years ago. Uh,
0: Here in Porirua? Yeah.
1: That's right. So uh, I realised then that there was no, I wasn't going to make a, a living just carving, carving. You know, mm. there was no industry basically then, there was no market for the work. Um, te Māori um, started the, the, that significant change of moving our, you know, the classification of Māori art out of craft into into art, into fine art. And, uh, and you know, as part of that, I, I realised too that I had to diversify. So I learned to diversify my skill base um, really, you know, quite quickly.
0: You're heading off to your residency.
1: Yeah. Uh, How I, did that I, come you
0: know,
1: about? Well, I applied for. A residency probably every two years, um, and I've you know I've I've been lucky enough to I think I've had probably about five or six now. I mean the residency is a great opportunity for practicing artists because it enables them to one give back to another community. Uh, so you know the residency really is um, provided. Uh, usually it's an institution of some nature. Um, sometimes they're indigenous ones. Sometimes the the you know educational institutions like. The University of Hawaii, which is the one coming up, and you have an obligation usually to teach or to give a series of lectures mm-hmm. to produce a body of work. Um, I only have to teach three hours a week in this um, residency, but you know, I won't be uh, lying around on a beach. That's <laughs> not what I do.
0: Go for a um, surf? No, I'm just well, I Well,
1: the reason why I go for residency is because it offers me the opportunity to get away from the demand on my time here, right.
0: and produce
1: and push my own ideas and work um, without having the impediment of trying to service, you know, um, people, yep. people's needs.
0: But would you say that, I mean, that's the beast what you've created, that people just want your work?
1: Well, th- yeah, and that's a problem, actually. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, people go, oh, you're living the dream. But actually, uh, if you've developed a practice where you continuously need to push your own boundaries and, and push the paradigm, and and you successfully create markets for stuff that you've done in the past, well, you know, it's always part of your practice because your work's, you know, decent enough or whatever, mm. uh, it, it creates a market for work, then effectively you've got to carry on through <laughs> the, the, the need, you know, that, people, that you've created. Yes, yes. And, and, and it becomes a... I struggle with it now, you know, um, and I struggle with trying to find people uh, even to train to the level to be able to do stuff, you know. So if I... For instance, you know, I've stopped doing reason tiki because, while well, I don't want to do them, uh, you know, it's like ask, asking a, a a mechanic in the Ferrari, you know, work, who works on Ferraris and Formula One to work on go karts all day, every day. It just
0: right. Doesn't do yep.
1: So, um, and I've tried to have you know have people um so that I could train them up to do it, but I end up having to micromanage them because that does my head in too. So, you know, I've kind of given them away, and I'm just uh, you know I'm looking for um, new challenges. So. I'm going to spend uh, a bit of time with with kionir nunes uh work you know doing moko uhi um and i've already um planned to do a lot of um uh i've you know whale teeth pieces uh, oh. I've bought pieces on eBay which are in the u s already so um I'll be doing a lot of that stuff and i've got um other work planned so no i don't do i don't do the tourist thing um i mm. work when i when i go you know you'll be able to see at the end of it i'm going to put on a show. Um, of work, and you know, I've got the opportunity too to um, go to the other islands, so I'll spend a bit of time mixing and matching and, and looking at some of the Hawaiian stuff.
0: Kia ora Kupa no atiawa, one of the artists that feature work in the exhibition Reokaranga o Taranaki, Call of Taranaki, which opened at Puke Museum on August 16.